are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo! What's going on, everybody? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from TheVoice.com. And we have some news, sort of. I mean, it's not really news, it's just non-news, in that Jason Peters was scheduled to become a free agent this offseason, and he is indeed going to test the market as the Philadelphia Eagles announced that they and Peters have quote-unquote mutually agreed, whatever that means, uh, to allow Peters to test the free agent market when the new league year begins on March 18th. Brandon, how are you, my friend? Jimmy, nice to be here with you, as always, on BGN Radio. I have a lot to talk about. We'll get to a lot in this episode, but I guess we we do start with the Jason Peters development, as you said it. Not news in the sense of there isn't really even definitive clarity. I mean, like... Yeah, he could still very, very well sign back with the team. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just going to test the market. So I want to start there, because like I think some people are looking at this news... And it does seem like there is an element of like finality to it, or like a, or a sense of it, not in the messaging itself, but like, I don't know, like I'm seeing Lane Johnson kind of tweet about how like Jason Peters meant a lot to him. It does seem like some people are kind of like saying mm-hmm. goodbye. You know, I, just, I don't think the door is closed, especially given all of what we've heard. And, you know, you go back to the podcast we did last week about it almost seeming likely that he'd be back. I just don't think it's impossible. I want to start, Jimmy, with a conspiracy. Are you ready for this? All right. The conspiracy angle to this news, to me, is the Eagles put this out there that Jason Peters is going to test the market because, in reality, the secret kind of plan here is to bring him back all along. And that was always the plan, but they're phrasing it like this, so it's kind of a softer hit when it does happen because the Eagles can be like, well, you know, this wasn't our plan all along. We were letting him go to right. test the market. But the value was just so good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the price ended up being lower than we could. Have, like, can't you see that happening? Yeah, I can definitely see that. Sure. Okay. I mean, he was probably going to test the free Asian market anyway. I have to go team by team and I haven't done this, but I assume that there's some kind of, there's multiple title contenders that have, uh, you know, a left tackle who is not as good as Jason Peters, even at 38 years of age. So, you know, if he does hit the market, which, you know, obviously he is going to now, I think he's going to have suitors. And we'll see what kind of offers he, uh, you know, he gets on the open market and if the Eagles are willing to match it. But I would not take this announcement by the Eagles as, you know, a definitive thing that he's not going to be back with the team this year. It clearly, you know, significantly decreases the odds of that, in my opinion. Yes. But when, whenever Jason Peters is gone, like gone, gone, Eagles aren't just going to put out a tweet that says like, mm-hmm. you know, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. They're going to do like this. They're going to roll out this big, you know, big to-do for you know, the career that he had in Philadelphia and everything that he meant to the team. He's been with the team for over a decade. So, you know, it's not just going to be like this one tweet thing. He's just going to free agency. He's going to see what he can get. Uh, I assume he'll bring that to the Eagles and say, hey, you want to match this or come close? And, you know, it'll go from there. But I do not believe that this news all of a sudden means, oh, they they do like Dillard after all and and feel totally comfortable with him as their left tackle in 2020. I don't see that at all. I I think they still have concerns there. What percentage of a chance would you say that Jason Peters is back if you had to put a number on it? I think he's going to get a decent enough offer that is going to be out of the Eagles price range and he walks. So I would say 30 percent is back. I'm going to say 42 (laughs) percent. <laughs> Why 42? 
I just like that number. No, no decimal point after that? 42.69% chance he's back. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Here's why I'm at with this. There's a lot of people, a lot of reaction out there, I feel like, that, oh, all this Andre Dillard stuff was just a bunch of fake news, media creation. <laughs> I yeah, hate yeah, yeah, when yeah. people do that stuff. It drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Doug Peterson said, I, yeah, I want him back. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. And, like, the Inquirer. Jack McLean, you know, who's one of the most plugged in reporters around the team. As of like yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. So as of like Wednesday, you know, he's an article on the Inquirer about how like there's significant in-house consideration for the Eagles to keep Jason Peters. There's like a vocal group. And even over the weekend, he reported the same thing. Like there's a there's a sentiment in an organization that believes Andre Dillard is not ready. And there are concerns about his mental makeup, which you kind of talked about in the last uh, BGN radio podcast we did, and that Jason Peters is still the best option and that they could keep him. Like, this isn't, this wasn't a nothing thing that the media ran with <laughs> right. and, like, created. In fact, I just, I hate that idea in general, that the media just, like, creates things. Like, that's, I don't know who people think, like, media are. Like, <laughs> like they, we, we get together and we conspire to, to do this, like... I don't. I, I don't well, do that. We did. I mean, we had a meeting. Uh, no, I saw I got left we, out. We all, we all met and we decided that we were going to try to torpedo Alshon Jeffrey's career for no good reason. Yes. <laughs> and it was in media where she lives in, in Pennsylvania. Exactly. So that's right. more fitting all around. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, I, don't, I definitely don't think this Dillard stuff is uh, nothing. And I think it's interesting that this Peter's announcement comes out like – when, whenever something like this happens, there's always a why to it, right? Like there's some motivation, motivating factor to why this is happening. When stuff is leaked, there's usually an agenda involved. So I think with the Dillard thing, it's interesting that this Jason Peters announcement kind of comes out like a day or a couple of days after all this buzz recently that there are concerns about Andre Dillard, that Tim McManus went on 97.5 The Fanatic specifically and talked about how he heard whispers of the Eagles packaging Andre Dillard to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey, which is an insane <laughs> thing. And he even said, to be fair, like, yeah, he doesn't yeah, think yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, and yeah. He doesn't he think, very but clear like, to preface that as just something that he heard out of the combine, but did not. Yeah, but it was, you know, clearly a rumor and not necessarily yeah. something. And the Eagles can't do that. Like, right. that would be like a supernova of you know, just front office awfulness, combining, you know, having the, the Alshon Jeffrey contract that he guaranteed before the start of the season last year, and now you're on the hook for this. You know, you're going to be you're going to be paying all this dead money, or not? You're going to have all this dead money in your cap, rather, one way or the other, whether you let them go with the June first designation or not. And then you couple that with you know a, a missed draft pick for which you spent a one, a four, and a six to get you traded up in the first round to get this guy, and now you're packaging him just to get rid of the other guy, which is just which would be crazy. And that would actually put like a second round value on Dillard if you look mm -hmm. at it that way, like. Because the way that um, uh, Joel Corey explained it to me, Joel, Joel Corey of uh, CBS uh, Sports, when I put together that uh, you know all the Eagles options with with Alshon Jeffrey, he was of the opinion I'm kind of there with him that it would take a second round pick just for some other team to take Jeffrey off your hands. So if you value Dillard as a second round pick, then you know you package him with Jeffrey to get rid of him, and that value might even be too high at this point. Like the team might not even want to do that in theory. Which sounds crazy, but you know, there's no way they could possibly package that, you know, those two guys together in a deal like that because the blowback from the fan base would be just absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, that would be insane, and it'd be a true comedy of errors. Um, yes, I 
I do think turning the page clearly to Andre Dillard is the right move. It's the move the Eagles have to make. Yes. Uh, It's time to move on from Jason Peters. That doesn't diminish anything Jason Peters has done. Obviously, his legacy is very much cemented as a future Hall of Famer, larger than life persona, character, whatever you want to say in the Eagles organization. Um, You know, they... He, he did, wasn't on the field for the Super Bowl, but he had a lot of influence on the team still, given how he really like helped coach up Big V and everything. Like Jason Peters is a legend, you know, a future Hall of Famer. Whenever he retires, it's there's no doubt about it. So nothing against JP. And I honestly, I kind of feel like JP is a little bit undervalued, maybe. I don't know if I'm reading that wrong, but sometimes just some of the things I see like in the BGN comments or on Twitter sometimes, I feel like people can kind of be a little bit too harsh on JP sometimes like calling him a false start machine and every like I, I just think some of it can be like a little bit mean and harsh at times but with that said you know I what do it think... is the Eagles have had stellar offensive tackle play for like almost two decades now with mm-hmm. Trey Thomas and John Runyon and then moving over to, to JP uh and then you know kind of a mix of guys at, at right tackle like uh Harriman's and then into Lane Johnson and whatever um so I mean we're, they're not used to seeing really bad offensive tackle play. So when they see something that's, you know, on a on a level that's lower than the elite play that they've seen there, they think it's bad. And um, certainly Jason Peters has not been bad. In fact, he's been, you know, well above average offensive tackle still, in my opinion, in the NFL. And I think that if, uh, you know, Mr. Dillard <laughs> doesn't sort of live up to the uh, – to the lofty expectations that uh, you know Eagles fans have for him, that that could get pretty ugly. Even if he's so just like average, it could get ugly. You heard it here first, Eagles fans. Jimmy <laughs> Kemsky thinks you're dumb. It's not even that. So the, I, I like, but I understand. Like, sort of, you have this misconception about like what offensive tackle play looks like league wide. Because again, like the Eagles have been so good there, you just kind of expect that to continue. But when it doesn't, it could uh, you know sort of. Yeah, I think the expectations get raised, and then uh, when players fall short of those lofty expectations, then the blowback is often unfair. Anything else on JP, Jimmy, before we move on? You know, on the one hand, I do agree with you that um, they should move forward and say goodbye to JP and go forward with Andre Dillard because of the resources that you spent on him and because he's, as we've mentioned before, an older Younger player, if that makes any sense. He's like older than your typical draft pick that you're going to get in the first round. Um, at the same time, if he's bad, <laughs> that's like a potential season killer. You really got to have that left tackle spot sort of shored up. Both spots, you know, both offensive tackle spots. If, you know, you have a big problem there, then you're either committing a lot of uh, extra resources in terms of, you know, keeping a running back in the block or a tight end in the block. Um, or those guys are just going to get toasted all game. And the Eagles certainly don't want to do that. What, what makes their offense uh, intriguing coming up in this 2020 season is, you know, their, their tight ends are so good in the passing game, and uh, they think highly of Miles Sanders and his ability in the passing game, and you don't want to give that up to protect the left tackle. I will finish here by saying, Jimmy, we had a conversation during the season where we were talking about Dillard and Jason Peters, and if Peters should even start, upon returning from being injured in the season. Mm-hmm. And I talked to you about how uh, I don't love the idea of starting Dillard just because he's the younger guy. Like you start yeah. the, the better player. Now I still feel that way, but I think the context here, uh, if someone would be like, well, why did your opinion change on this? Is that 
Uh, first of all, I thought Dillard showed enough promise. And it's not a one-for-one -one comparison anymore. You're, you're weighing the cap space that you would have to spend now on uh, Peters to bring him back. And like, there's, it's more complicated. The, the equation has become more complicated. And like, I just think back to if you bring Peters back and you don't play Dillard, like what was it just shows to me, it feels like, did you not learn anything from watching like Greg Ward and Boston Scott and like these young guys thrive when they right, had actually right. had, had an opportunity to play? Like, how are you ever going to know if he's good if you don't actually give him a chance to For do sure. like to be so? Like, And now you don't just throw anyone out there with that logic because, you know, you can't just take like any young player and feel that way. But I feel like he's shown enough and I feel like the the projection you brought him in at in terms of like, okay, this guy might not be ready to play right away. He could really benefit from having a full off season behind JP, a full off season in the NFL program, but like he's going to have that now. And now you kind of give, got to give him that chance to actually prove himself. So I know there's risk, but there's going to, there's going to be risk with any move. You know, you could risk, the risk could be, okay, you bring Jason Peters back, but then he gets hurt. And now you just spent this cap space on him that you are, could have spent on, let's say a receiver or someone else or a cornerback. And you weren't able to because you had to spend it on a, a player, a, a position that shouldn't have been a need. So uh, a lot to consider. But yeah, I think the Eagles are making the right move. If this truly is a turn the page from Jason Peters, which we don't know yet, as we've said, but it seems like it could be. So hopefully for the Eagles sake, uh, that is the case. Jimmy, I want to stay with offensive tackle because Mike Garofolo followed up his report about Jason Peters coming back originally and obviously was since confirmed by the team. But he also said that Big V is expected to get a big payday in free agency. He's saying eight to twelve million. Yeah, it's for a big lot. V. <laughs> yeah. Do you know where that ranks? Because uh, I do. I looked it's it up. Be up there. Uh, is it is it top twelve? It's top eighteen to top thirteen money in that okay. eight to twelve million range. So it's you know that's legitimate starting well, money. What's well, what, what is top? Oh, okay. So anywhere between 13 and 18, depending on 8 versus 12. Yeah, yeah right. And yeah. and that's all offensive tackles, by the way. I'm including all, not just left or right. That's like all offensive yeah. tackles. Uh -huh. Well, I mean, there are a boatload of teams that have you know really bad offensive line situations, and it's not that often that good offensive linemen you know, make it to free agency. Those guys get prioritized by the by their teams and they get signed early, you know, as the Eagles have done for years and years and years. And when you have a guy like Big V, I was kind of fascinated, like, uh, what his... I'm, I'm fascinated by what his market will actually be. Like, I put together a, a, an article of, like, what I thought all the Eagles um, potentially outgoing free agents would sort of make on the open market. And I had Big V at, like, three years, 18 million, I think, which obviously falls short of even the low end of Garofalo's report here. I have him at six million a year. Garofalo has between eight and twelve. Because I don't really know what teams will think about him as a player. Because <laughs> he you know, I don't think he's like if I were like a, a fan of another team, I wouldn't want my team to sign him to, you know, starter money. Like, you know, top sort like close to top of the market starter money. You know? Like he's a really good swing tackle. And that he can come off the bench and play both left and right side, but to just plug him in as a starter, and you know, I know I get it. Like, okay, he's a Super Bowl winning left tackle, blah blah blah. That's great, <laughs> but like, he's clearly. I mean, anytime he had to come in for either JP or Lane Johnson, again, we're holding him to a high standard there. But he, I mean, it's been a noticeable downgrade anytime he's had to play. 
So again, it was it was going to be interesting to me what kind of money he would get on the open market because there is such a dearth of uh, offensive line talent around the league, uh, and you know it's it was kind of I was just curious to see how other teams around the league would view him if they if he does get anywhere between eight and twelve, then obviously they view him uh, you know a little bit more than I would, or they're just desperate. <laughs> I agree with you on the sense of I don't think Big V is an ideal long-term starter. Uh, the way we've kind of talked about it here at BGN Radio, Michael Kist once wrote up a big uh, profile of Big V after the 2017 season because there was some talk, not a ton, but there was some that like, you know, maybe the Eagles should just make him a starter or maybe he can be a starter one day. And this was before they had drafted Dillard, obviously. But mm-hmm. I think we've been all on the, the same page here that he's like a win-with player. Like you can win with sure. Big V, but you're not winning because of him by any means. And yeah, I think he can be a liability at times. I think he's in like fairness to him. He's been thrown into some tough situations because like a lot of times Jason Peters is coming out of the game mid game yes. and he would just have to go in. Hard I think, do. I think generally speaking, it's kind of accepted that he, he's done better when like he is the full week to prepare you know, know where he starts. So, and I definitely think there's value there. You know, he can play pretty much every non-center position in theory, at least now that he's demonstrated some guard uh, versatility. So like, I get it. I get why he's going to get paid. Um, He's obviously not coming back to the Eagles. So that's yeah. not, <laughs> that's not happening. They're not going to be paying that kind of money. So I think the, the, the conversation is how do the Eagles replace big V um, considering that he was a valuable backup to have basically at every backup offensive line spot. And, uh, you know, if, if Jason Peters truly isn't back, then, you know, you're, you, you need a, you need a new swing tackle behind Dillard and Lane Johnson. So what do you think the Eagles do there? I Jimmy, think they'll draft have... there, There's a few okay. decent ones in the, uh, in the draft coming up. A guy like Matt Pert from, uh, UConn. There's another small school guy. I actually had him in one of my uh, Eagles only mock drafts, and I forget his name already. <laughs> He's from a smaller school. He's like a six eight guy, like mm. kind of skinny but really athletic. Uh, but sounds and, like me. So there, there are guys that they can draft, and then of course, um, you know, maybe they hope that you know a Jordan Mailata can progress this offseason, mm-hmm. or or maybe just have him focus on the left tackle position, and maybe a combination of him. And Matt Pryor, who can play right guard and right tackle, um, you know, maybe just roll with those guys. Uh, but, you know, I think counting on, I think Pryor showed something at the end of the year. This is his first Agreed. time he got some, some extended a- uh, action. So, you know, that, that was a positive sign. I don't know that you can count on Mylotta <laughs> at this point, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we'll see how he goes this offseason. I don't know how serious his back injuries are. Yeah. I want to believe there's a possibility the Eagles just shut him down because they needed the roster spot. Yes. And they kind of uh, maybe said, hey, Jordan, your back isn't feeling good anymore. And he's like, no, 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 mate. It's feeling good. And they're like, no, 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 it's not. We're going to put you on IR. All right, mate. <laughs> so, like, that was a really that's... good in, uh, Australian <laughs> accent, by the way. Thanks. So maybe that's what happened. Or maybe his back really is hurt. If his back really is hurt, it's two years in a row his back is hurt, and that's not good. Yeah, and he's a big man, so it's not, like, unthinkable. And he put on, like, a lot of weight in a short amount of time. Like, I don't know. It, it seems, like, plausible that he could have, like, some issues in that sense. Uh, being a tall person myself, I've had back issues at times. It's not great. Um, Sorry, yeah, it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing better now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> 
they weren't even that bad. That's so funny. It sounded like so much more dramatic than I than it should have. Uh, I'm doing fine. No one's worried about me. Uh, let's take I, a break I, here, I Jimmy. Like, well, hold on. Before we take the break, we'll just okay. one more point because uh, the comp pick questions are starting to come in. <laughs> oh, yes. We already mentioned JP and, uh, and Big V. If they both leave in free agency and get like decent deals elsewhere – then, you know, the question becomes, well, now do we punt on free agency to, to collect more context? <laughs> and the answer, resoundingly, is no way. Like, really? Stop. Like, they, they have holes galore. They have to sign free agents to fill starting positions. Those guys are going to cancel out guys like JP. By the way, JP, the most you can get for him in the contact, no matter what he signs, if he signs in a million-dollar year per uh, contract, it's going to be a, – a, they're going to max out at a five because he's been in the league yep. for more than 10 years. So you're not getting more than a five for him. If Big V gets even at the top of the market, 12, whatever it is, that'll probably be like a fourth-round pick, and that'll get canceled out by Byron Jones or whoever else the Eagles sign as their primary free agency on day one of, of you know the new league year. So um, the Eagles are decidedly not going to play the compact game like they did a year ago because a year ago they had much more to lose. So they had a third-round pick coming in for Nick Foles, and they had two fourth-round picks coming in for Jordan Hicks and Golden Tate, and then they had a lot of other guys that they thought might get signed in free agency, but just didn't, and, you know, they wound Jernigan, up turning in with Ajayi to a lesser degree, um, and that just didn't happen, so they, they are going to probably wind up with those three picks, uh, three, a four, and a four, and those are worthwhile to to sort of make sure that, that you collect, but in this case, it's just not worthwhile, but also they have more money this year, they have more holes, and they have worse comp picks to try to, to, try to strive for. So it's just not worth it. All right. Take a break. Take a break here, and then we'll be back with some Alshon Jeffrey talk and free agency talk. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 108. Talking now about a, a new Alshon Jeffrey development, Jimmy. It came out from Jeff McLean of the Inquirer over the weekend. Kind of varied, really, in his column that I was reading about some of the NFL Combine chatter he was hearing out in Indianapolis. Jeff McLean talked about how there apparently was a teammate, an Eagles teammate of Austin Jeffries, who confronted him in the locker room last year, given the fallout of the Josina Anderson leak that got out there, uh, you know, criticizing Carson Wentz and the offense. Jimmy, do you have any guesses on who confronted Alshon Jeffrey? Yeah, so I had I had known about this as well prior to McLean's report. I didn't have the name pegged down, <clears throat> nor did I have the uh, circumstances of it. Like I didn't know like where where this confrontation occurred, what how it developed, and whatever. So I didn't put anything out about it. But um, I was able to narrow it down to two players, and those two players, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Wow. <laughs> so of the two, um, Lane Johnson being something of a laid back fella. I doubt it was him. Jason Kelsey being more of a impassioned. Uh, yes, that's a great way to put it. I can see that player being Jason Kelsey. But it did happen. That, that absolutely is a, a, a true report. There was a confrontation between somebody and Alshon Jeffrey after the Josina Anderson report came out. Where it's just like, come on, man, again. <laughs> so the yeah, but how did they know it was him, Jimmy? The how did they know? <laughs> <laughs> the players know it was him. The team knows it was him. Yeah. So I, again, like I had heard about that previously as well. I can't say with you know certainty that it was those guys, but uh, I did kind of narrow it down to those two. And my guess would be that it was Kelsey. So my point here would be that even if it wasn't Alshon Jeffrey, which it was, 
even if it wasn't, the perception <laughs> is that it is, and yes. that is that enough is creating an issue. So like this is part of why you can't bring him back, even if it really wasn't him, and he's somehow innocent in all of this, which again doesn't seem to be the case. But even if that was your argument, like how can you still bring him back in when other guys clearly do believe it's him, and it's causing literal confrontations in the locker room? Like this to me. This should be another nail in the coffin for Alshon Jeffrey this offseason for people who just refuse to believe that he's going to be gone. Like, he's going to be gone. The new CBA is expected to be voted on soon, I believe, the reports are. I think it's going to pass. We'll see. I think it's going to pass, too. Even, you know, I mean, you see all these players putting out tweets and yeah. actually making, they're all making <laughs> really excellent points, frankly, on why they shouldn't. Uh, yeah, but let's gloss over CBA, that. But, uh,. <laughs> But the reality is, you got a lot of players that are that you know probably don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to be in the league for a long time, and they yeah. want to make sure that they make their money. I mean, like money that they'll make in the NFL for like two or three years is what the normal person will make in like fifteen to twenty, like even as like a low level player. So they want to make sure they get paid. They cannot afford to go on, um, uh, you know, that lockout or a strike or whatever you want to call it. The the one the one player that I will say did not make a very uh, good point for <laughs> for the players was it uh, Marquise Pouncey or is it the other Pouncey? I don't know one of them. Did you did you see it? Not really. He's basically like, we put aside money for y'all. You're good. And then he went and he pointed at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> he said more than that, but uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, he was basically like, yeah, we we got money put aside. You're good. Don't worry about it. Um, but really, the, the the players that make a lot of money or already have made a lot of money, they're the ones with good reason to not go forward with the CBA. The ones who yeah. do not make a lot of money, which makes up the majority of the NFL, have reason to want to just get the CBA over and done with and, and sort of move on and make sure they make their money before they're no longer in the league. Uh, and I think the majority is going to, rule, it's going to win uh, on that battle. Yeah, and there's what, like 2,000 players voting? Like, you're seeing yes. a handful of people on Twitter <laughs> saying they're going to vote no. Okay, great. That could be like, you know, that could <laughs> right. easily not be the majority. So, yeah. uh, so as soon as that does pass, you know, it, it should not be too long after that, I would assume that Alshon Jeffrey will be designated as a post June 1 release. Yes. How, how, how long do you think it'll take until, like, after the CBA is done? <laughs> what if it's, like, literally let's right go, after? Let's go over under. Okay. Okay. Let's days. say let's say let's say let's go let's go by number of hours. So let's say okay. let's say that thing gets you know ratified at like four o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. I think a good window would be like forty eight hours. Yeah, that's where I was going to. We'll put go it. For, we'll go forty seven point five hours. You got I'll over. Say, I got under for uh, and this. Well, we're talking about Eagles officially announcing or the report coming out at all by from a reporter the, like from Eagles a, announcing the Eagles making the roster move. Um. I'll take the under. I'll go over. Okay. Because I think they'll meet and they'll sort of get their ducks in a row on what the new CBA means uh, sort of a, on a global decision level. Like they'll figure out everything that they need to do uh, fully before they make any moves, even though that will be an obvious one for them to make. Uh, but I, th- I think they'll kind of convene and figure out what their game plan is going forward after they've had a chance to sort of digest what the new CBA will mean for their plan going forward. And then soon after that, Alshon will be, so I get Alshon will be the first move that they make, but I think it'll take a little bit longer than, than the two days. Jimmy, there has been even more buzz 
connecting Byron Jones, the Dallas Cowboys free agent cornerback, to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's mm-hmm. really kind of been happening throughout the entire offseason, but now like literally kind of any outlet you can point to has some kind of report that the Eagles are like going to sign him or be very interested in him, whatever kind of phrasing you want to use there. It, it seems like there's way too much smoke here for this to be just nothing. Yeah. Uh, we have both laid out the case for him, I believe, before. I would like to stress that in short, like I think he checks a lot of the boxes. Age is right. Injury history. I think when you look at free agents leaving teams in general, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, why is this team letting this player go? And then the Cowboys case, it is that a very, out. yeah, There's yeah, good, it's like good, a good reason. It's a legitimate circumstance of yes. where like they can't keep him. They, they, want, were dumb. they, w- they would want to keep him if they could. They, they were dumb and they paid big money to a running back <laughs> and an off ball linebacker last year. And now because of they've delayed their quarterback and, and a kind receiver. of above average right tackle too, by the way. And that as Brandon Graham would, would say for sure. Um, <laughs> yes. Watching all or nothing. Yeah, so they've made dumb decisions, basically, and that's why they're not able to keep him. It's not like they know something that the Eagles don't know like about him. That's right. at least my read on it. So I think when you look at all that, I think there are a lot of reasons to want Byron Jones. But there is a contingent out there who are very anti-Byron Jones, Jimmy. And if we have to kind of make the case against him, and some people, I think, who are pretty smart in the Eagles community, too, like, you know, uh, loyal listener and friends of the podcast, like Sunset Says and Noah Becker, like guys who are against Byron Jones. So, Jimmy, if you have to make the case against Byron Jones, what is the case? Well, on field, the very clear case is he doesn't produce many turnovers, which is what you prefer to have from a guy that's going to cost, as the reports say, and this is point number two, it's going to cost a ton. Like it's, some of the latest reports that it's going to cost $18 million a year. You have that, and you have the lack of turnovers, and you have two pretty good points right there on why you wouldn't uh, – you know, pay that that guy that kind of money. I kind of feel like the turnovers are a little bit of an anomaly. I feel like a lot of turnovers that appear in the stat sheet anyway, and a lot of those are kind of like, sometimes they're gifts. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, like, I think I mentioned on a previous show uh, when we were talking about linebacker targets, you know, Joe Schobert had four interceptions last year. And I watched them, and a lot of them were the variety of, like, the quarterback just throw it right to him, Or, like, the ball got tipped at the line of scrimmage, shot up 15 yards in the air. He you know, kind of camped out under a call a fair catch and, and made the pick. So, like, you got to be careful about, like, what you see in the stat sheet. And I think that can kind of go both ways. I think it's sort of a, it's sort of odd, really, that he – and actually the two interceptions that he has over his five-year career were made when, um, when he was playing safety. So he doesn't have any as a corner, which is certainly concerning. But I also feel, like I said, like, I feel like it's an anomaly. I think he's a sign of knowing that that production is – I mean, it has to increase, clearly. You can't just look at that guy and say, well, he's never going to produce turnovers for his new team. I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, you can kind of, even though the, even though the, you know, the production isn't there, I think the expectation should be that he's going to produce more in the way of turnovers than he has in his career so far. Is that fair? Do you get that? Yeah, I, I do. There's some luck involved there for sure. Michael Kist, BGN's own BGN Radio's own Michael Kiss tweeted out the other day that Byron Jones had zero interceptions in 19 this past season, but he was also targeted one out of every 10.1 coverage snaps, which is the third fewest amount in the NFL, which fits the anecdotal notion that he doesn't get targeted a lot. Did, did that say who, uh, who was ahead of him? Is that a curiosity? No, okay. it did not. Kiss also said that Jones has allowed one 100-yard game in two years. 
than three in his entire career. And the Eagles cornerbacks, of course, allowed nine just last season. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I just, oh, man, everything I, I look to with Byron Jones, just it's it, like for me, it checks out. I like it. If you're going to tell me now, because I have seen Namdi Asamoah in Byron Maxwell struggle, I can't. And basically just, you know, the general like Philadelphia negative attitude in jet. Like I, I can totally envision Byron Jones being signed to a big money contract by the Eagles and then not doing well because of, like that's just, you know, Philadelphia sports in general. But yeah, but like those aren't good reasons to me, you know, obviously to not sign him. Like Namdi was older. He was he was several years older. He was thirty one uh, when the Eagles signed him. Byron Maxwell was only he wasn't he had never even started sixteen games once. He was and he was only a full time starter. Twelve starts in the season before the Eagles signed him. Like so, this is not the same thing here to me at all. Uh, I think Byron Jones makes a lot of sense. I know this was about kind of making the case against him, but every time I look against the case against him, like I, I just I see more reasons to sign him than to not sign him. I know you can talk about like getting Trey Waynes or whatever. I think Trey Waynes kind of sucks, honestly. And now we can kind of cut that clip up and play it back when I'm talking myself into Trey Waynes when the Eagles sign him in a couple of weeks. Like a lot of these other corners on the market basically don't inspire me at all. Like they're either older and I don't think they fit the Eagles timeline or I just think they're not that good. Like the younger guys in general are not that good. But Jimmy, there is one interesting free agent defensive back to consider that really hasn't been mentioned as a realistic possibility. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Before we go there, just one more point on Byron Jones and, and the squad okay. plays. While a punt isn't a turnover, it's kind of close, right? Flip the field. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just a, it's, just of, it's just a difference of 40 yards, right? And I think what Byron Jones does is he produces a lot of punts for you know two different ways. He well, There's a lot of big completions thrown his way when, when you do target him. He's an outstanding tackler. So I think we kind of think of Jalen Mills as a really good tackler. Byron Jones is a way better tackler than, J- than Jalen Mills. So, for example, like on profootballreference.com, they started doing a little bit more in the way of like advanced statistics. And they had like one of the things they, they've tracked is missed tackles. So, over the last two years, uh, Jalen Mills has 83 tackles and 11 missed tackles. So, that's a missed tackle percentage of 11.7%. Byron Jones has 113 tackles, five missed tackles. So, missed tackle percentage of 4.2%, which is like, you know, better than linebacker level. So like if he's making short tackles short of the sticks and he's producing incompletions that are coming his way, you know, I think you, you, you get into the thing where, you know, if those happen on first down or if they happen on third down, then you're getting off the field. If they happen on first down, you're putting, um, you know, the opposing offense in, into more like second and, and third and long situations where you're going to get your pass rush going. And I think he, I think just as, as a, to, to really focus too hard on the splash plays, and certainly, it's a it's a valid point that you want you want your cornerback to like make plays, make big plays in the secondary. Like we all re- we all you know remember and love Asante Samuel, for example. But um, you know those guys are kind of few and far between in today's NFL. And uh, you know, a guy like Byron Jones is at least getting you the ball back one way or the other, even if it's not a splash play. Yeah, and he has forty three career pass passes defense. Like he still gets his hand on the ball. He's not always picking yes. it off, but he is like breaking up passes actively. So I like it. I like him. Uh, but the the guy I mentioned, Jimmy, do you have yes. a guess? Who's your guy? The, the, do you, well, I need you to guess. Is it a corner Who's, or a safety? Well, I don't know. I just put defensive back, oh, okay. so you tell me. <laughs> I don't know. I had one this morning, so I don't, okay. don't want to guess him. I put up my free agent targets. Yes. That makes sense. 4.0. Mm-hmm. I got nothing, man. Kendall Fuller. Okay. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Is he, play, is he playing safety for you, or is he playing corner, or slot corner? Well, I know what you're thinking. Everyone, uh, you're like, the Eagles don't need another slot corner. And I agree, conceptually. Or are you moving Maddox to safety? Well, here's where I'm coming up with this. So, the Eagles have kind of shown interest in slot corners this offseason. Like, mm-hmm. Byron Jones isn't a pure slot corner, but he can play in there. They've been rumored, or they've been linked to Chris Harris Jr., dating back into the season. Right. And he obviously had experience in there as well as playing on the outside. And then the Titans guy. Logan Ryan literally had more, took more snaps in the slot than any other player in the NFL last year as a uh, a nickel corner. And the Eagles were linked to him as well. So I'm like, what's going on here? Are the Eagles signing one of those guys to play in the corner and maybe move or play in the slot and then move Maddox back? I don't, I don't know if I really believe that because it seems like they haven't really shown a ton of interest in moving Maddox. So maybe they, they're signing that guy to be a safety. I was l- researching it a little bit more. And Kendall Floor actually started playing safety for the Chiefs late in the season last year, like more of a traditional That's, safety role. Oh, after like uh, Thornhill went down? Yeah, late in the year. So I was reading about this on our sister site, Arrowhead Pride. They had okay. an article about it. And, uh, and he only turns 25 in February. And a big reason... I should have maybe led with this, Jimmy. A big reason why I think the Eagles, he could be on their radar, is do you know who drafted Kendall Fuller? Uh, it was uh, the Washington team. Hmm, the team they, and, that employed uh, the guy uh, okay. that, yeah, McClellan. you like where this is coming together? Yep. The wor- who works for the Eagles. Yep, as you reported it. for the Eagles, yeah. Yes, Dur- directly, for, directly for Howie. Huh, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, he drafted McClellan, or sorry, McClellan drafted Fuller in the third round that no, year. I, you know, so I'll, he... take that, I'll take that further. So Fuller was bombed when he got traded, because he got traded as part of the Alex Smith deal. Mm-hmm. And he was actually a key piece of that deal. What was it, that Alex Smith and a two? Yeah. Alex Smith, I'm sorry, for a two in Kendall Fuller? Or was it a yep. three in Kendall Fuller? I think it was a two. Either way, Kendall Fuller was, a, was like a legitimate chip in that trade, and he was bummed about it. And McLuhan, I believe, even tweeted this, something to the effect of, like, he was a little more uh, careful with his words about it, but he was basically saying, that's a better situation in Kansas City, my friend. <laughs> like, like he was uh, he was talking to him, like, you know, like, uh, in a very friendly way. I would have never traded Kendall. He can play inside and outside. He's high character and young and a football player. You, you pulled that up on Twitter? Yeah. Mm, okay. He also said something like directly to Kendall, I believe, on Twitter. But that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a good one. That is good a little work. tease. That's a, that's a good job by you. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy or, or Mike. <laughs> that's a little tease for the uh, article that I have coming up at BleedingGreenNation.com. All the connections, the free agents with connections to the Eagles. I like that one. I would, I would, I would, I, uh, I'd post my like mind blown emoji right now. So I try I to do. So the guy that I have, which isn't as good as yours now, is... <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, Sean Davis, safety from the Steelers. He fits the, uh, the profile of, has corner in his background, although in this case, yeah, kind of, sort of, like he played corner, outside corner at Maryland, but probably shouldn't have been playing corner, and uh, did not play corner really all that well there. And the NFL sort of realized that he was miscast there, and they drafted him high anyway, and he played safety in the NFL. But he does have that corner experience in his background, which is sort of a Jim, Jim Schwartz prerequisite. Uh, he is going to be leaving uh, Pittsburgh because, um, and this sort of checks the the box that we talked about before about like why would the other team let him go? Like Byron, when we were talking about Byron Jones, and in this case he got hurt, so he tore a labrum, and then very shortly thereafter they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. 
So they now have Mika Fitzpatrick, who was, a, who was an all-pro player last year, and they have um, uh, Tremaine Edwards or Edmonds. Know, Edmonds. I don't know if I have the right Edmonds brother, but one of the Edmonds brothers. They drafted in the first round in 2018. So it's going to be those two guys starting at safety. It's going to be Edmonds and Fitzpatrick. And you know, Sean Davis isn't going to go back to be a third safety there, so he's going to look for employment elsewhere where he can start. And I think the Eagles would make sense if they were to move on from uh, either Mr. Malcolm Jenkins or Mr. Rodney McLeod. Uh, Sean Davis has uh, you know, a decent number of tackles in his 48 games played with the Steelers, 41 starts, a decent number of interception and pass breakups. It was kind of a big hitter, and his his like measurables are awesome. Like he ran, I think it was like a four 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 five or four four six four four five, which is you know really good for for safety. He's got decent enough size at six one two zero one, and just his other measurables are 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 really good from like the uh, three cone broad jump vertical jump, um, and you know running down the line like he's a very athletic player which I think is what they were kind of missing a little bit, especially on the back end with McLeod. Like, again, going back to that uh, sort of that, that Twitter uh, post string of all the big plays that the Eagles allowed last year, thread. You know, obviously the corners were beaten very obviously on a number of those plays, but there were a lot of plays where McLeod just failed to get over uh, on time when playing single high or just, you know, had sort of opportunities to bail out the corners, but just didn't <laughs> I think where you know uh, a more athletic safety you know might have been more effective in those in those circumstances and I think a guy like Sean Davis sort of fits that profile. Interesting thing about Sean Davis to me, Jimmy, is that I've never seen a player on Mock Draftable, which is a for those who don't know a website that kind of hosts all these measurables. Spider charts, and, yeah, spider charts. There to me, I've never seen a player more like almost identical to the player literally a 99% comparison do you know who Sean Davis's 99% comparison mm, is I don't it's a former eagle Nandi with safety and cornerback in his background was traded away because the defensive coordinator didn't love him oh uh, Eric Rowe yep okay so little fun fact for you yeah okay we can take another break here, Jimmy, before we get into our final segment featuring some more wide receiver talk in addition to Nick Foles coming back to Philadelphia Jimmy Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 108 for our final segment. Jimmy, Pro Football Focus wrote an article this week, uh, one player that every NFL team must sign. And last year, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick as the player the Eagles must sign. And look, they were right. I mean, if the Eagles signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe they would have had a better chance to win in the playoffs because for as great as much Josh McCown did, nothing against him, maybe he would have stayed healthier. And... I mean, they wouldn't have lost to the Miami Dolphins. So, <laughs> okay. That point aside, it's kind of a joke. <laughs> right. Well, it's a joke, but it's probably pretty accurate, though, too. Yeah, also accurate. Uh, <laughs> Brashad Perriman is the yeah. name they have as the Eagles must sign target. And we've, we've talked about Brashad Perriman before yeah. uh, on this podcast. And he was one of those guys, I think, when we did our original free agent, like our top five free yeah, agent. Yeah, his fit is obvious. He runs a 4 2 4. But the more I think about it, though, I think, like, the Eagles have to get a speedster, a burner, yeah. whatever you want to call it, in free agency. Like they have to. It's not even just a wide receiver. I think they have to get that guy in free. I don't think they can go into the draft needing that guy because there's just no guarantee they get it. Right. And then if they don't get it, like 
Okay, so we're just back to where we were last year, <laughs> counting on well, Deshaun you, Jackson. You're back to where you are, but you but with better, in theory, better uh, at least possession receivers than what they had. <laughs> yeah, which okay, great. That's what this team needs: more possession receivers without speed. <laughs> but so, at least they're better than the ones that were there. The yeah, but I I think they have to get a burner, and well, I don't I'm think with you any, for sure. And then you and you maybe have Deshaun Jackson back for more than one game. And I don't think Anderson, Robbie Anderson, is going to be realistic in terms of what the Eagles are going to want to pay and what we'll need to pay. Like I think yeah, he's I'm, I'm starting to believe that as well. Top of the market money. I think Perriman is like the perfect value in terms of like his cost is going to be kept down because he had some of those bad years really to begin his career, and he's not this proven guy. But he's been an ascending player. Like he was super productive for the Bucks in his final uh, six games that he was the number one wide receiver for this past season. Last five games this past season, 25 receptions, five Mm -hmm. games, 506 yards, a little bit over 100 per game, five touchdowns, one per game. That's yards per catch average, by the way, of 20.2. Yep. Yes. I am a solid yes on on Mr. Perryman as well. I actually had him as a free agent target last year uh, as well. Same. And then again this year. So, sorry to... Loyal BGN reader, Michael Buffer. Did you know that, Jimmy? Michael Buffer reads BGN. Do you know who no, Michael oh, Buffer really? is? Like, yeah, yeah, let's get ready to rumble. Yes, he's really? a big BGN. Yeah, look at my Twitter right <laughs> is now. He a fan? He, yes, he's, wow. he's, from, he's from Lancaster or, or Lancaster, as they say, I guess, out there. But he's not a big Perriman guy. And I bring this up because there, I think there is some skepticism from fans about Perriman still because he was a bust early on in his career. But like, Okay, I get that, but you have to take a risk at some point, and I think the value is right with him. So he just, just to bring that up. He literally just tweeted 54 minutes ago from undrafted tight end, converted tackle, Bills, and then 11 superstar years of the Eagles. Jason Peters will long be revered and loved as a legendary Eagle, simply the best. Let's get ready to rumble. And then he has a link to your Jason Peters article. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow, Michael Buffer. Yeah. Who knew? Got to get him on the podcast sometime. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't follow me. Screw him. <laughs> well, now you just ruined our chances of getting him. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the other thing on the wide receiver note, Jimmy, that I wanted to touch on was Justin Jefferson is catching on after everyone listened to last week's BGN Radio yeah, and heard me say that that was going to be a thing that was going to happen. So how do you feel about me influencing everyone? Well, I was before you. I had him in my mock draft 2.0 and took... Mm. took all kinds of uh, guff, we'll call it, for having him in there. And now he's looking like a pretty uh, possible pick there at 21 if they don't move. Yeah, but who do you have at number one? Or who do you have at 21 <laughs> in your first overall mock? In version 1.0, I had T. Higgins. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, unfortunate. Jokes aside, though, that really is catching on in a lot of places. As it should be. Like, it's kind of materialized in my head about, like, it makes more sense than I thought it used to. And I guess those people were skeptical, too. I think it makes sense from the standpoint of, like, again, this is, if you get Perriman in free agency, then, like, the speed thing isn't, like, the end-all be-all in the draft. And all of a sudden, like, you're just more focused about actually getting a good wide receiver. And I think given the Eagles' inability and probably their own knowledge that they haven't drafted that receiver well, like I think they can probably admit that internally. I don't think they're like totally delusional about that. Like they have to think to themselves like, okay, like we know we're not good at drafting wide receivers. So maybe let's take the guy who has been really productive the past couple of years and tested well at the Combine. And like like this, the profile of Justin Jefferson isn't this super you know high ceiling guy. 
who also has a low floor. I think it's just the opposite where he kind of has a, a, a lower uh, ceiling. But not to say he's necessarily bad, but just like I don't think he's this max, you know, star player. But you're, he's got a high floor. But he's not going to be like this bust. Like he's yeah. not going to be this guy like, okay, he's just nothing in the NFL. So I think that's why they would kind of do that pick. Yeah, I think at a minimum he's, he's probably going to be a pretty good slot receiver. Um, mm. Which you don't want to you don't want to max out at that. But uh, yeah, I, I would feel comfortable with him being able to contribute very quickly as well. I think he could be the Eagles wide receiver version of Zach Ertz for Carson Wentz is like okay. what I'm imagining about his profile. Like just a go-to guy for he Carson. He catches everything. Uh, yeah. Like you see, so, <laughs> like Joe Burrow was incredible last year, obviously, but mm-hmm. there was a lot, like his, his completion percentage was otherworldly. And a lot of that was due to, well, Jamar Chase is really, it's awesome too. <laughs> That's you. Mm-hmm. So that helped Jefferson as well. in that, you know, he wasn't always going up against the, the, the other team's best corner, but uh, he made a lot of plays that would normally be incompletions uh, for, for Mr. Burrow and uh, that LSU offense. Now, I will say one thing I didn't love about Justin Jefferson when watching his highlights video is it's not really that impressive. Like, like go and watch it. And maybe I'm crazy, but it's not like you're not overly, overly impressed. I feel like by what a lot of he's doing, like he's not making these like jaw dropping highlight plays consistently. And on a number of plays, like, a defensive back like fell down or something. So I didn't love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, make that the determining factor I'm holding against him. I just, that was in my head. That's, that's one thing I, I didn't love. I want someone with juice, you know, and just it stands out and there's like no doubt about it, but see, but a player, uh, like, I think he's like the opposite of a guy like KJ Hamler. So Jefferson, if you yeah. watch, if he just watches game after game, after game, after game, you don't ever see him make mistakes. Whereas mm-hmm. Hamler, you watch his highlight reel and you're like, holy shit. Like, like that, that guy's awesome. <laughs> like you watch like some of the plays that he made against like Ohio State, for example, who have like you know all these big time corners and safeties, and he's just you know kind of shredding their secondary. And you're like, wow, that guy's got like you said, he's got juice. Like that guy's awesome. But you actually watch enough Penn State games, you'll see that like he drops a ton of passes. <laughs> you know, you know you don't see those in the highlight reels, obviously. So. Yeah, I think those kinds, those two guys are opposites as far as like the uh, highlight reel goes. In general, like just conceptually, I want to take the bigger swing, you know, on the on the higher upside guy. But I think given the Eagles' position of where they are, they just like they need good receivers. Like they can't keep doing this thing where it's been two out of three seasons now of Carson Wentz's career, like where he's had like literally like the worst wide receivers in the NFL. So I think that's something to consider when it comes to Justin Jefferson, Nick Foles, Jimmy. Are you ready for this one? Let's, why don't we do Nick Foles last? So we'll, we'll get okay. to it. Let's, let's do Yannick Ngakwe first. Yeah, Ooh. so Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a free agent. No, he's not because he was franchised. or Well, he's reportedly going to be franchised yeah. by the Jaguars. But he doesn't want to play not happy about Jaguars it. anymore. Yeah. He He's ready to move on. He is demanding a trade. And the Jaguars don't necessarily have to, uh, what's the word? comply Appease with that. him, yeah. So what do you what do you make of this situation, Jimmy? Well, Are the Eagles going to trade? No. Uh, they weren't, he wasn't realistic when he was when he wasn't going to cost them some kind of draft or trade compensation in the first place. Like, they mm-hmm. weren't going to sign him as a free agent. I mean, I shouldn't say that definitively, but it just it's just a They're probably that, right. It doesn't make sense for them or for or for maybe not necessarily for, for them, but for him it doesn't make any sense. Eagles starters are Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. I mean, just whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, that's just what it is. So, like, if you're Yannick Ngakwe, you're going to sign with the Eagles to be a rotational guy. And are the, if you're the Eagles, are you going to pay that guy? Like, 
19, 20 million dollars a year when you already have, you know, what you think are two good players as your starters. Totally unrealistic. Now that he's franchise tagged, like you can totally forget it. Not happening. Yeah. You can just shut the book on Yannick and Bakkenkakwe, right? Completely? Yes, Jimmy, I agree. Let's just go to Nick Foles. So, Nick Foles, Jimmy, Super Bowl MVP. He's on the he's available. <laughs> he's coming back. Fire him. Did you see my article on this, Jimmy? I put a lot of <laughs> no. time. Oh yeah, that. I did. It was uh, what? Just just stop, was it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's honestly all the conversation needs. If you're listening to this, you're probably not a person who is following the team at a casual level. I'm not saying anything wrong with that, but I could see someone, you know, not as a big of a diehard can be like, Nick Foles, oh, we won the Super Bowl with that guy. Let's bring him back. Well, they're certainly like, not, not listening to the, the 59th minute of the Yeah, uh, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Ngakwe, Foles, not going to be Eagles <laughs> no, this year. No. What would Foles cost, by the way? Like, if, if they did trade for him, it's got to be, his salary's got to be a lot for this year, right? Yeah. I mean, to me... I've said this a number of times now. The Bears should trade for him. It makes all the sense in the world for the Bears to trade for him. They have his former uh, quarterbacks coach from the Chiefs in Matt Nagy. They have his former quarterbacks coach, two former quarterbacks coach from the Eagles in Bill Lazor and John DiFilippo. Like, and their starting quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, isn't very good. So if I were the Bears, I would try to get Nick Foles. Uh, his base salary in 2020 is $15 million. One hundred twenty-five thousand. Uh, I can safely say Nick Foles is not going to be traded for by the Eagles. Yep. Any That's simple, thoughts? folks. Uh, I don't think he goes to the Colts either. By the way, like Peter King was kind of throwing that around. Like, why are the Jaguars trading him in division? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why are you going to help a division rival? I, I don't know. Well, there is precedent there with the Eagles. They joined. They traded well, uh, Donnie Mack to the Washington team. Yeah, but Donovan didn't win a Super Bowl. Come on, Jimmy. <laughs> Did he forget that? If you're the Jaguars, do you care? Like if you if you think you're if you think that Gardner Minshew is your better option, do you really care if he goes to your division rival? Or are you happy? I do when there? he. I do when he's paired with like the coach, you know, one of the an assistant. Well, you know, I, when he's paired with Reich, and yeah, I just no, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I just for me, I wouldn't. I, I would wouldn't. trade him for. I would trade him pretty much anyone if I were them. Wow. I mean, so well, hold have on. some respect. I, I, should, I shouldn't say that. If, you, if they cut him, it's it's holy crap. It's 33, mon- 33 million in dead money, 34 million in dead money. They trade him, it's 18. Uh, they actually save 3 million bucks. Mm-hmm. If they cut him, uh, oh wow, it's a big difference. So it, it would actually, they'd be paying basically 12 million just to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So they have to trade. They can't, they can't cut him. They can't cut him. Unless it was a post June 1 thing. But then, yeah. Even then, I don't think they can cut him really because well I don't know. Uh, I think anyway. they tra- I think they would trade him for anything. So if 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 a team like the Colts were willing to bail them out, then I think the Jaguars. Would like, Thank you, thank you, Colts. So I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy by uh, old PK. Yeah. Apologize to Peter King, Brandon. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Jimmy? Uh, yes, I haven't said this in a while, but uh, my girlfriend is a real estate agent, and if uh, you're buying or selling a house, give me a holler. We'll hook you up. Thanks. All right. You? Rate and review the podcast. Download, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Follow myself on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, I've been thinking like, I don't know how realistic this is, but just I'm putting it out into the universe. Just nothing formal. Just throwing it out there. 
feel like we should do some kind of off-season event at some point. I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know what it looks like, but I feel like we should okay. uh, meet with the people and maybe do something. But we'll see. How about this? Just spitballing here. Okay. The draft is when? It's uh, what? End of April. Uh, is it the 23rd? 22nd, 23rd, and no, wait. 23rd, uh, 24th, and 25th. 23rd, right? 24th, and 25th, yeah. I can't do anything in any of those three days, neither can you, obviously, because you both mm-hmm. write every pick that they make and everything else that happens. And then, I don't know, the 26th, that's Sunday after the draft, is usually uh, chock full of grades and all kinds of other stuff going on. Like that's a And recovery. Heavy, it's a pretty heavy, heavy writing day, too. And then during the week, that's all kind of lame. But maybe like that first day of uh, May? Hmm, maybe. On a Friday, like a week removed from the draft? Maybe we can do something around then. All right, so maybe we'll do something. Or maybe we'll, we will. <laughs> we will keep talking. But if you're interested in it, uh, give yeah. us a hashtag. Uh, what should the hashtag be to let people hashtag know? Hashtag car bombs with Jimmy and Brandon. Okay, hashtag car bombs with Jimmy and Brandon if you're interested in some kind of get-together, BGN Radio get-together thing uh, in Philly in May. So that just about does it for this episode of BGN Radio, episode 108. We will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. BGN.